Hey everyone, welcome to episode 29 of the Inside Out podcast. I am here joined, as always, by Brent. Brent, I have a hard-hitting question for you to open up this week's episode. It is the year 2021, and believe it or not, the Beatles broke up 50 years ago, and I came across an article that was talking about why their music still matters. So I have a question. Why do you hate the most beloved band of all time? That is a hardball question. First of all, are you serious they broke up? In 1971? Uh, I think. It was either 70 or 71, and I feel like I know where this is going. So I'll, I'll, Well, I'm wondering if I had anything to do with that. That's what I was wondering. Because I was born in 1971. So yes, this year I will be 50. The Beatles broke up 50 years ago. And if, if it is true, listen to me. I'm if listening. it's true... I'm listening. ...that... You're looking it up, too. That's good. If it's true that the Beatles broke up in 1971, then I am going to claim some responsibility for that, and I will celebrate it because they're a bunch of, bunch of socialists. <laughs> Listen to their songs. They're anti-God socialists. Okay. Don't tell me to imagine that there's no heaven. Yeah, that's I'm ju- fully embracing that there is a heaven. I'm not I, don't tell me to imagine that there are no governments and no borders and that somehow we're just supposed to think that the whole world would be perfect and tranquil and at peace if there was no religion. Yeah, that's just John Lennon though to be fair. Is and it? even that's probably more Yoko Ono its influence on him. Well, so. they sang it. So They did break up in 1970. I might have, what, what was the date? It was April 10th. So I was in the womb. So I was, I existed. I was in the womb in April of 1970. Oh, never mind, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say. Your confused look just made me redo my math. A lengthy incubation yeah, a long phase. gestation period. <laughs> Maybe that's been my problem It's all, all good years. here. We're going to go back to eighth grade health class here on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, um, No, okay, so maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm not responsible for it, but I don't hate them. I just don't like their music. I definitely don't like some of their messages, but I did like Rocky Raccoon. That is my favorite Beatles song. That is the one song that Brent likes from the Beatles. It's off the White Album, in case you're looking for it. Rocky Raccoon. And the reason is because one of my very earliest memories is my dad was very musical, Mm -hmm. sang in a band, played guitar, all of that for since he was a teenager up until I was like a teenager. And, um, and he, I remember I was about three or four years old and he was sitting at the kitchen table with his acoustic guitar and playing it and singing Rocky Raccoon along with Oak Ridge Boys music and stuff yep. like that. Yep. So that was really cool. So I like Rocky Raccoon. So if you look on my iTunes library you'll find one single Beatles song and it's actually a cover song it's not actually the Beatles (laughs) couldn't even get yourself to get the real version (laughs) cover song cover band yeah so there you go I was thinking about this though you introduced me to one of the the strangest songs I've ever heard in my life and it will pop up in my head about once every three days it was 20, I think it was 2019. It was right before this, the snowpocalypse of 2019. You remember when it just snowed about okay. 13 feet? We were in Puyallup. And okay. you showed me a song by Jerry Reed. 
Jerry Reed. Is Amos, this Amos Moses? Amos Moses. Yeah. It's That's about a great song. A father who uses a child uh, for alligator bait. For alligator it's bait. It's a very yeah. country type <laughs> well, it's southern Jerry Reed. song. Yeah, it's Jerry Reed. So. I'm just telling you, once every three days, I will. I, I like will, that. I'm glad that influenced you in such a way. So thank you so yeah. much for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. But, um, You're welcome. Beside all that, beside all that, we, it's, this is serious stuff, okay? We started on Sunday our series, Shift, where going through biblical teaching on money and possessions. And so this past Sunday, Brent, you kind of laid the foundation for, um, for that and, and what's going to be taking place here moving forward. And so what we wanted to do and what I wanted to do on this podcast is give you a chance to kind of expand on the teaching that you gave on Sunday morning because we know that sermons generally more or less are about 45 minutes and more or more more or less yes more or a little more are 45 minutes and that sometimes there's just there's so much that you'd like to say and stuff I know you've said going through manuscripts or stuff that you have to kind of kind of trim or or cut out and so I thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of expound a little bit more on some of the things that you went through obviously one of the passages you focused on was genesis 14 with abraham and melchizedek and and you were in genesis 4 as well so why don't you um share a a little bit uh, go a little bit further in in depth on some of the things you were talking about specifically as we started in the book of genesis okay yeah and i think that you know the concept of trying to bring a singular message to the church on a sunday is a it's a discipline. It's a, it's definitely a difficult uh, thing to do week after week. And so there is, you know, the old concept of the cutting room floor. There's an awful lot that uh, gets left on the cutting room floor. So I was thinking about this uh, and I would, I had hoped to actually bring this in on the, into the message on Sunday, but the idea of, of always context matters so much. So I, I didn't get to introduce all of this context, but, but you have to picture this the context of the book of Genesis. So it's the book of beginnings. It's how we know how things began uh, as God created the heavens and the earth and so on and so forth. But if you think about it, you you have to realize that it, it isn't just how we have come to understand how things began. You think about who's the original audience to the book of Genesis. We, we know that Moses actually is the author. He climbs up onto Mount Sinai and receives this revelation from God. And then he tells it to the children of Israel. Now, there may have been some oral tradition, things passed down, stories uh, and such that was, that was a part of the, you know, that, that ancient uh, culture and society. But, but we know that God gave Moses revelation as to how things came about. And so when you look at who's, who's, the, who's, who's the original audience, it's the nation of Israel. And when are they initially hearing this account? So, so when do the children of Israel hear about God creating the heavens and the earth and creating everything in six days, resting on the seventh day? And then we get the, then we get the account of the fall and then of Cain and Abel and all of that. When do they hear that? Well, they're hearing that several weeks after having been delivered by God under Moses' leadership 
from over 400 years of slavery in Egypt. So they lived as in that many centuries, there isn't anybody in the nation of Israel who knows anything other than what it's like to be a slave. And now they're hearing for the first time that they're supposed to rest once a week. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even have a concept of that. They've only known hard labor and mean taskmasters all of their lives. And, and now they get this revelation that God is not a mean taskmaster, that he's not a slave driver, but he wants them to rest. In fact, he writes it into their law, not just their religious law, but their civic law that they're supposed to rest at least once a week, plus there's multiple times throughout the year where they're supposed to stop all things and celebrate with their family and friends for a couple of weeks at a time type of a thing, like three solid weeks. So they're, they're like hearing this and saying, what? Life is supposed to be different under the lordship of Yahweh than it was in Egypt. Pretty powerful stuff. So then when you think about the context of last Sunday's message, you get the idea of Cain and Abel. Right? So, so here's this very first family. Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore a son, Cain. And then again, and she bore Abel. And then we hear about it, like in the middle of verse 2, Cain and Abel are at least semi-grown up. One's working in agriculture, the other's, the other's keeping livestock. And they bring these offerings to the Lord. And so think about this. Now, Cain brings fruit of the ground. God doesn't accept it. Abel, what does Abel bring? Michael, what does Abel bring? He brings sheep. Mm, this is not quite what he brought. He brought the firstborn and their fat portions. Okay? Now, here's that context, right? So now you listen. You got the truth. Picture it. They're out, in, out at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses is down off the mountain. His face is glowing, and he's telling all of these people about the, the account of Genesis. And by the time he gets to chapter 3, these people are super engaged. They're like, wait a second, resting? We're not slaves anymore? Like, it's, they're beginning to, their minds are changing, and they're beginning to form a, a new way of life under the leadership of Yahweh. And now the account of Cain and Abel, they're like, oh, the first family, how did this come about? And they're listening. And all of a sudden, Moses tells them that Cain or that Abel brings the firstborn and the fat portions. And every one of them who's paying attention, which you'd hope it was all of them, kind of like people when I'm preaching, you know, you hope that they're all paying attention, but you're not quite sure. (laughs) Um, But you just keep going anyway, right? But think about it. What did they just experience a couple of weeks earlier? The 10 plagues that God brought on Egypt in order to, quote, convince Pharaoh to let the people of God, the people of Israel, go. And the 10th and final plague was devastating for the entire nation of Egypt, which was death of the firstborn. So, so, Israel sitting there, all of the children of Israel sitting there, they've got this fresh in their memories, and they hear that Abel brought God the firstborn. Now, that's, the, that's a key concept in not just the rest of the law, but in the rest of the biblical revelation. That's why we say, you know, giving God the first and the best is normal from the beginning. Normal from the beginning. And the, you know, we're inferring there that it's still normal. It's normal still, 
right? So the firstborn, they're like, whoa, why did God do that? Why? God claims the firstborn as his own. It's actually written right into the law. But we find out, as I mentioned on Sunday, Jesus is, he's the firstborn from among the dead. And then, you know, we tie that into the first fruits. And I talked about how they're kind of fraternal twins with regard to the, the, what God, God claims these things for his own. We're supposed to honor God with the first fruits of all of our increase and so on and so forth. So I just think this is really interesting. And I wish I could have brought that on Sunday, but my sermons are typically 50 or so minutes. And, um, and I don't hear people complaining about it, but I know it gets long sometimes. And I just feel like I got to keep scaling it, striving to scale it back, which is like, okay, after two and a half decades of this, it's, it just doesn't happen. But I still strive for it every week. Um, but I just think this is so interesting. There's so much there to think about that Israel hears Abel offered God the firstborn and it wasn't lost on them as to why Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's wasn't. It wasn't lost on them. Like they got it in a real personal, real-time way that we have to be taught it, but they they were like, we get it. Yeah. We get it. Right. right? And I love that you did that too. Um, and you're mentioning that because I've had conversations with people and I'm sure that you have as well uh, who believe that tithing was uh, abolished with the law of Moses that's because they they or that it was fulfilled in in Jesus Christ and so we're we're free of that commandment they argue erroneously we both agree that yeah and and usually what people will do who argue that the tithe is still normative will go back to Abraham and Melchizedek which you're going to mention in a moment but I love that you brought it back even for even further toward the beginning than Abraham that this has been this has been a part of of what's been normal even before that. I in mean, the first family. Yeah. You so, can't go back further than that. Right, right. So I thought that was just, that was super cool. I've not, not, not heard that before. Hmm. And so I, I enjoyed that. The other thing that I was going to bring up today that was a part of kind of the cutting room floor is, is the encounter between Abraham and Melchizedek. And, uh, and so, of, of course, we talked about this, how Abraham is, um, it, you know, he is the, the beginning of what became the Hebrew people. He is noted as the father of faith, uh, even for New Testament believers. He, he, is, uh, he, was, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and we're to follow in his footsteps in that way and believe God uh, uh, and, and have the righteousness of Christ credited to us. And Melchizedek, of course, is that, is that Christ-like figure. He's a foreshadow of Christ. We get that from Psalm 110, that, uh, that the Messiah would come in the order of Melchizedek. And uh, we get that from Hebrews chapter 5, 6, and 7, laid out really beautifully there in, in the letter to the Hebrews. And, and so we talked about how this was a picture of uh, people of faith, uh, people who believe God, i.e. Abraham, and, um, and how they, they honor God with the tithe by giving it to God through Christ, through Jesus, and, and, and even how Jesus is the head of the church. This is why we could talk about one of the kind of evidences of tithing still being a thing 
would be just that. This is the way that God has always funded his redemptive work, going all the way back to Melchizedek. He's the priest of God Most High. And, um, and Abraham is tithing to him. And, and then we see that take place also in the temple where the children of Israel tithe uh, to the Levites. They tithe to God through the Levites, funding his work in the temple. And then we see it, we could say that's true in the church as well. Nonetheless, that's kind of an aside. But what I was thinking about as you look at this Genesis 14 encounter is you just have to picture it, right? So, so um, I actually even have my Bible open here. Um, so Abraham returns from rescuing Lot from these, from these feudal kings, city-state kings who, who had taken him captive, gets all these possessions back. And it says that Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought, look at this, verse 18, he brings out bread and wine. And I talked about that on Sunday. It's not a surprise. Shouldn't surprise us. Once we understand who Melchizedek is as a foreshadowing of Christ, it shouldn't surprise us that he brings out bread and wine because this is the communion meal. His job is to help Abraham, help as by way of being the mediator, he's to help Abraham commune with God. So it's not a surprise that he brings out bread and wine. And like I said on Sunday, Jesus, in, in being the true and everlasting high priest after the order of Melchizedek, doesn't just provide bread and wine, he is the bread and wine. It is through Jesus Christ in his broken body and his shed blood that we have communion with God, right? But this is a communion scene, right? Abraham has communion with God through Melchizedek, bread and wine, and then, and then Melchizedek offers kind of this twofold blessing. He blesses Abraham. So notice he's mediator. He, he's like reaching down to heaven, blessing Abraham. And then he reaches up to God and blesses God. He's that mediator between God and man. And we see, of course, the picture of Christ. And we pointed out how he calls God the possessor of heaven and earth. He's the rightful owner of all things and all of that. But, and, and then what happens? Abraham's communed with God. And his response to having communed with God through Melchizedek is to tithe to God through Melchizedek of everything. He tithes everything uh, that he has. All of his possessions, he takes the first tenth of those possessions and gives them to God as, uh, as a response to having communion with God. Now, here's what I, I want to point out. This is, this is a picture of what happens as the church gathers every single week. This is the ministry, if you will, of the local church where Jesus Christ is the head. A meal, a communion meal is provided. Now we could think of that as actual communion, the bread and the cup, or, and also we could think of it as the, the sermon. Whatever the, whatever the sermon is, it's gotta be a biblical message. Again, as we always say, not just a message about the Bible, but a message from the Bible, right? We're going to teach the Bible, and that's a meal provided. We're communing with God through his word, and, and then a blessing is extended. Melchizedek did that, and then a tithe is given, right? So you got all of these elements in play, all of it from Jesus, all of it to Jesus, right? Jesus is central figure in the church. He's the head of the church. And so, uh, and so I just, I look at this and I, again, I wish I could have, I, I wish I could have like taken an aside and talked about that on Sunday, but it would have made for a, a 10 minute longer sermon. 
And um, I know that the audience that listens to the Inside Out podcast, they clamor for longer sermons because they love God uh, with all of their hearts. And, uh, but for others, they might not have quite the same um, eagerness in that way. So we want to you know, be all things to all people. But this is really cool to me. When I look at this, this is like the encounter that we see with Abraham and Melchizedek is a picture of what happens week after week in the ministry of a local church. A meal's provided, a blessing's extended, the tithe is given, all of it from Jesus, all of it to Jesus. It's pretty cool, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely, it is. And, and the cool part is we're just getting started in this. We've got a couple more weeks to go in this series. So give us a quick heads up. Your sermon manuscript is finished. I know you don't like giving anything away yeah. before, you, before you preach. Yep. But just give us a little taste of what this Sunday has in store as we continue in our shift series. This Sunday, we're going to talk about God and Jesus. Okay, excellent. From the Bible. I hope so. Yep. So, hope so. Did you want more than that? Well, I think so. I think it's our job as a church to keep you accountable in that, to make sure you're always talking about <laughs> God and Jesus. So okay. you're off okay. the hook this week. So what, I'm going to say that. I'm going to think real quick how I could say this without giving it away because yeah. I don't like to give things away like that. Yeah, give you a chance to think about it. Just so a little. Here's what I would say. We're trying to lay out a biblical theology for money and possessions, not just grabbing a passage of scripture or one scene or narrative in the Bible and and teaching on it. We're trying to lay it out. That's why I went all the way back to the first family, and then we went to Noah, and then we went to Abraham, and so the natural progression would be kind of what's the next monumental element in the revelation of scripture, and that's going to be Moses, right? I mean, there's other things that are taking place, Isaac and Abraham's son Isaac and, and Jacob and all of, you know, the tribes of Israel and all that. But, but in the revelation here, now we've got kind of the next pro- big progression is the law of Moses. Moses receives the law. And this is where a lot of people get confused because they, when they think of the Old Testament, they only think of the law of Moses. They don't realize how much was before the law of Moses that relatively speaking, it was a short period of time within the history of the biblical narrative, and, uh, and it, the law of Moses was specific to the children of Israel. Not that the moral and ethical parts of it aren't applicable to all human beings, but it was a covenant God made with Israel. So all of that to say, we're going to go from, from where we were last week, continue in our progression of a biblical theology, and we're going to look at the law, and but maybe more importantly, we're going to look at what the intentions of the law were on the human heart. So that's where we're going. Awesome. Does that help? Is that enough? Yeah, that's enough. That just that's okay. I'm glad. I know you. I know you're kind of you're kind of a, a vault when it comes to your Sunday sermons, <laughs> as you, as it should be, as it should be. I don't know. I don't even like sharing my manuscript with the people <laughs> that don't. have to make the sermon notes and stuff up for the app. I don't like sharing it at all. I would I would keep it sacred. Yeah. Uh, but I know that there's more work to be it's, done. So it's it's all good. It's all yep. good. Well, like I said, this is going to be continue to be a great series, and as we were reminded this past Sunday from Brent that giving God our first and best has been normal from the beginning. Just love that idea that we're not talking to, to super Christians or, um, or, or incredibly holy people, but this is just, this is a normal practice for 
Christian people. So it's going to be a great, great Sunday together as a church. Just a reminder for you, if you're listening to this podcast, we do have binders available out in uh, in our cafe, available for purchase for $5 a piece. And what you can do with those is your sermon notes. Uh, they're going to be three-hole punched each and every single week so that you can include those into a binder if you purchase one. That's going to be for this week's series shift and also for our series coming up, which will be launching on February 21st called To Be Human, where uh, Brandon's going to go through uh, everything about identity. And so we'll talk more about that when the time comes. That is definitely going to be a a sermon series where you're going to want to keep those notes handy. We're going to include glossary of terms in there um, from some labels that you hear thrown around uh, today. And and, and our, our goal there is to help you create just a great resource for you personally for further study, but also to help you reference as you interact with those around you. So just as a reminder, those are available in the cafe for $5 a piece. Other than that, can't wait to see you this weekend. We'll have a gatherings at 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. here at the church building. Look forward to seeing you here. We'll see you next time on the Inside Out podcast. Oh, 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 oh,